leadership in cybersecurity isn't just about understanding threats. It's about leading a team to navigate them with confidence. At CPF Coaching LLC, we specialize in taking your leadership skills to the next level. With over 15 years in the cybersecurity field, we empower professionals and startups to reach unprecedented heights. Imagine having a personalized coaching experience tailored to your unique career ambitions. From strategic planning to masterful pitch and interview preparations, we're here to guide you through every challenge. Join us for our unique value proposition workshops or dive into our vibrant learning community for continuous skill advancement. Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it. Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session. Hey, security peeps. We are live with another edition of CISO Thursdays, and we have the squad is back. I am Renee Small, cybersecurity super recruiter, helping awesome leaders hire great talent. Squad. Chris has his nerd shirt on. Like, you know when you do one of the, remember that one of these kids are doing their own thing. One of these kids is not the same because everybody's in black and I'm not. I didn't get the memo. Anywho. What does James wear every, every single Thursday? Every day that ends with a day, I wear black. Every day that ends with a day, I wear black. So that's Monday. Slow on the pattern recognition. That's Thursday, that's Friday, that's Saturday, that's Sunday. This is true. I wear black to church. And it's not a funeral. I don't go to church. Oh, and he's Jewish. All black everything. <laughs> you like Jay-Z. <laughs> Why is there um, random dancing? Because that's what we do. We're just so no, happy to be in cybersecurity. Random dancing. That's what we. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. Here. We're Maybe don't you dance? Hey, Chris, do that again. You have the Elaine moves there going. I think he did the whole. He did the Elaine thing from Seinfeld. <laughs> we have to get um. You know who we need to get on here? Who's the dude that does all the popping? What's his name? Chris um Cochran. Yeah. Oh, he does all this. He's like, he's like a pro. He's like a get. He's like a professional break dancer. Like he is a professional dancer. He was a professional with dancer. A cowboy hat, break dancing. Yeah, he's he was professional. I think he he studied for a long time. Awesome. Anywho. Everybody else. I'm Renee Small, cybersecurity super recruiter, helping awesome leaders hire great talent. My co-host. Howdy, y'all. Chris Malone. <laughs> we're, we're just having a grand old time today. Uh, Chris Malone, cyber uh, security strategist, career coach, consultant. On to the famous Naomi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everything is backwards. <laughs> Uh, hey, I'm Naomi. I help people break into cybersecurity. So let's go. Let's do this. Let's do this. And the James Azar. Sawatika. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. Uh, James Azar, CISO, host of the Cyber Hub and CISO Talk podcast. And um, can I do a quick shout out? Yes. The uh, uh, World Cybersecurity Forum starts this afternoon, and it's a 24-hour marathon on Clubhouse. All things demystifying cyber. I hate the word demystifying, but of JJ so much, I couldn't break her heart. I had to use it. Um, but I think uh, um, a bunch of really great speakers. So if you're on Clubhouse, go follow the World Cybersecurity Forum. 24 hours of straight streaming. I have the 6 a.m. to 7.30 a.m. slot tomorrow morning, and I'll be talking privacy. So you guys can join me there on Clubhouse. So just wanted to give that a shout out because that's a really, really big effort to evangelize cybersecurity and simplify it to the non-techie people on Clubhouse. Preach. Hey, 
Awesome. 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 That's good stuff. Um, all right. So before we get started with our topic, Naomi, do you want to give a shout out about your project? Yeah, I got a plug here. I'm just asking people to put in their salary information. I have 126 responses right now. Some of you guys have really interesting salaries. So uh, this is all anonymous. Please fill out the link. Uh, I guess we can put it in the chat. Oh, I'll put it in the chat to the yeah. Google form. The chat and then I'll put it up. Yeah, um, we're trying to get some really good information for cybersecurity gatebreakers so we can break down the gates in cybersecurity, having salary data and real data, not just you know anecdotal stuff. This will help. So please put in your salary information uh, and that would be really great. Thank you. Yay, yay. Okay, folks, everybody tell us where you're, um, you're checking us out from. I'm seeing a lot of cool comments coming through. David already said random dancing. We can, I think, I feel like dancing this afternoon. I had a rough morning. Nick Perkow, good afternoon. Excited to see you all here. Nick Perkow, I had an ex-boyfriend named David Perkow. Are y'all brothers? <laughs> Howdy partners, that is from Nate. <laughs> Mr. P says, good afternoon team. Thanks for creating this space. What are y'all saying? What are y'all doing behind the scenes? <laughs> I, know, I know these two. No, it's one of the comments uh, from, from a LinkedIn user. They, they said that they got kicked out of Clubhouse for being nude in the room while in a cybersecurity room. Oh, Lord. Never good. Don't get kicked off LinkedIn. I fully support. I just want to see if there was a specific reason to celebrate today because all four of us are here. The squad is back. <laughs> so that's why we were celebrating, David. I swear, oh. Chris, every time you dance, that Seinfeld episode of Elaine dancing just comes right back to me, man. <laughs> I, I, I just have the one dance move, especially from the waist up. <laughs> Paul Cummings says, happy Thursday to the awesome four. Happy Thursday to you, Paul, and you are awesome. And I know Paul has something going on too. So Paul, chime in, like type in what you have going on. I think you have a career fair happening like right now or sometime around coming up. So let us know again so we can shout you out. Zoe M, hey Zoe. We are the perfect squares, Oh, That's so sweet. We are the perfect squares. Um, it makes me so happy to see you all together. Us too. Oh, this is the I got kicked out of Clubhouse. Oh, Lord. <laughs> A mess. Eli wants to know where's the link. So we're going to share Naomi's link. Thank you, Eli. Just go to Naomi's profile. It's right there. I've got it on my profile as well. Sure. It, yeah. And I'll be sharing it right after the show. Thank so you. Everyone will have it, have a link. So please, please, please check out my profile. Lie, after the show. lie about your salaries, inflate them. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, oh, I, I, I don't know. Some of these people's salaries are crazy high. I'm just like, wow, 500 grand. Yeah, it's like, is that right? Is that right? <laughs> I know someone that makes eight outliers. I know, but that mm, you know somebody that makes what 800 as a base salary, yeah. not like stock options. No, like stock options. Yeah, I I know um, I know a couple folks up in that range too. Well, by the way, a Fortune fifty CISO starts at seven figures now. It's a it's a a big number. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's base compensation, I think, is anywhere from one to 1.5 mil a year plus shares and benefits and bonuses. You can make two to three million dollars as a CISO in a big fortune company. Wow. I mean, that that's good after you get fired after a year and a half. So you need that money in the bank, right? Yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> right it's like three years worth of salary <laughs> it's like 10 years of stress <laughs> we're gonna shave 10 years off your life it's the last 10 years of your life so it doesn't really matter but you're right. high, filthy rich you can't spend because oh, you no. died at 55 instead of 75 uh, where's the lie where's the lie yeah oh. james mcquiggan says good afternoon oh boy everyone's giggling what did i miss we just told a big joke about you james that's why you're all laughing <laughs> no at least from no, indianapolis <laughs> great work on your 15 minute update james this is from Thank nick parker yeah he just missed a couple of headlines that's all <laughs> <laughs> One or two. James, thanks for doing a cyberbullying topic on Clubhouse this morning. Clubhouse is popping. I got to get back on there. Yeah, we actually did a cyberbullying. I will say that this morning's conversation. Uh, a female <laughs> gamer on Twitch, like 600,000 followers. She was talking about the kind of cyberbullying she goes through from men on Twitch. I'm telling you, I'm still shook. Like it had me, it, it, I'm still not out of everything she shared with us this morning. It was between Jenna, between Emma and Jane this morning um, and the kind of cyberbullying that adults go through on social media. Man, like we do these conversations. Um, we do it every fourth, uh, every four weeks. So we did it this Thursday. We'll do it again, but we'll probably talk about it again Monday morning because of just the feedback that have come through has been insane. But oh we, we kept it 100% real this morning and it was really good. If you're not in Clubhouse, you should be there. Um, because that's where we're really having the unplugged, uncensored conversations, and they're really, really powerful. No shadow ends. Wow. Yeah. All right, let's jump into the topic. Chris, you wanted to kick it off with it? Uh, are we talking about um, security maturity in large organizations so that they could become more resilient to modern day threats? I thought we were doing cyber as a business. Oh. Yes. We're doing cyber as a business, Chris. Come on, man. Well, same, same thing. Has everyone subscribed to the Breaking into Cybersecurity podcast? Are you guys following the YouTube channel? Yeah, are we are. Following all four people on the screen? Because if you're not, you should do it right now, right? And now here's our topic for today. James had to take over. <laughs> I did have to take over, but it's because I love this program and I love everyone on here. Um, but we are talking about cyber as a business enabler because this is breaking into cybersecurity. It's CISO Thursday. But if you really want to get a leg up on the competition, if you really want to wonder why someone would hire you with maybe just business experience and no cyber experience, we kind of wanted to bring the business aspect because Naomi and I talk about it offline all the time. But maybe it's time we share those nuggets with all y'all. Absolutely. And I mean, I think one of the first things is trying to understand like what your business does to do, does to make money, right? What systems does it use? What data does it use? Who are the people and the process involved? And I think if you can answer those four questions, um, you'll be a, definitely a leg up compared to the competition. 
Yeah, I mean, so here's what we talk about when we say cyber is a business uh, enabler and a business driver, right? There's a bunch of different things around cybersecurity that have been historically kind of the pitfall for many of us that, that come into this industry. And it's something that we've called before the old guard, right? Kind of the concept of no. And what we're trying to transform today and what security is today, security is a business function. It's not IT. I know everyone wants to be a red teamer and everyone who wants to learn how to hack and that all seems magnificent and great and it's really sexy and the movies they do a Hollywood makes it seem like you're, you know you're saving the world just one keyboard one click one keyboard enter at a time but security is really hard work and it's really a business function and the moment you enter that into your mind is the moment you start to really push yourself out there and really excel as a practitioner. Preach it, James. We've been saying this over and over again. We need to change the mindset of where we used to be. And th- I think about it from the perspective of trying someone trying to break in to cybersecurity, right? Like our industry has evolved past the point where it's just a nerdy IT pe- people that get into cybersecurity. Like we've gotten to this point where you should be able to take anybody who is like a digital native, which is basically everyone in Gen Z, by the way, because they do all the computer things. So you take anyone like that, and they're nice people, uh, they can communicate well, and they use technology well, and then you train them, and then you show them what good security looks like. You have them shadow you, you give them safe projects to work on, you give them a safe environment to play in, and so they don't make mistakes that blow up production, right? We take these people the way they are and then train them. But what we're seeing still is the people who have been in this industry for enough times, they're just like, no, you can't do this without going through what I did which is, you know, 10 years of help desk and five years of sysadmin, right? And you're just like, well, no, we've evolved. And that is the point. We are evolving as an industry. We no longer need that kind of background. In fact, it's hurting us. Think about all the breaches that we have now. The fact that we don't have enough defenders is the reason why we are losing the war on cybercrime. So if you are not hiring and training the next generation, you are the problem. You are the gatekeepers. And ran. And, and, you're, and you're not giving people who come with a business background an opportunity to bring their mindset, to bring their business experience into the security team. You're really blocking yourself out of there. You're, you're at a disadvantage because guess what our adversaries and cyber criminals know better than anything else, even better than cyber. They know business. When they come at you and they ask you for a specific amount of money, they know what that value is to your company. They know why they're asking for that specific amount of money when they're doing a specific set of attacks, right? They're, they're, they've done all of their homework. Yeah, they all have MBAs. And now, and, and the, yeah, I don't know if they've got MBAs, but, you know, they've got degrees from the school of hard knocks, yeah. right? Yeah. So <laughs> and, why are we asking our folks to have five years of experience and a master's degree in a CISSP? Like, that makes no sense. But yeah, I mean, it goes back to what I was saying, like understanding how the business functions. And if you could take someone that understands how the business functions, they can tell you what the business is doing on a day to day from people and processes. And then you can go back, shadow those people, shadow those processes and see how you can help enable them and make them more secure. I mean, like adding MFA is just one thing that you could do. But if you don't train your people, and if you don't train your people right and treat your people right, um, th- they can be bribed and they can share their credentials and 
share share things like that. What makes you say that, Chris? That I, exact I scenario. I mean, I mean, social engineering is is rampant today. Um, uh, I mean, like credential compromise, credential stuffing. These are all valid attacks that happen every single day. Um, I, I toss you up a softball, Chris. Sorry. <laughs> no, I think Chris. I feel yeah. like. Go ahead, Renee. I feel like we're in a way we're preaching to the choir because sure. the cyber people get it. I think. I think the breaking into cyber people, some of them understand it. You know, I thought it was interesting. It was eye opening when the team that I was on um, in set for Fortune ten at the time company, Fortune fifty company, was made up of a bunch of business people. So it was there were the the technology folks and the hardcore technical, you know. Folks, and then they had, then then there was a combination of business people, and I think it was so successful and dynamic because people were coming from different areas of the country of the company, and different bringing in the true diversity of thought. So you know, we all kind of thought a little bit differently and looked at the scenarios a little bit differently because we were bringing our different backgrounds and different perspectives. So my, um, you know, what I would add specifically to this breaking into cybersecurity group is that people tend to throw away the quote, the saying, throw away the baby with the bathwater, meaning you're bringing a background, you have a completely different background and you're saying, you know, you're switching careers and you feel like you may have to toss everything that you already know. What we're all collectively saying here is you don't have to like leverage what you already bring or what you already have, learn about various businesses. If you're really into gaming, for example, or you've been in healthcare for 10 years. I think James and I were talking about this last week. You know, you're you're a nurse, you're doing something in the medical industry. We need that experience. We need these various experiences layered with the security component. Um, so if you have different industry experiences, if you have, you're, you're bringing in, you know, operations, accounting, whatever, bring it over to security understand the business that you, you know, the industry that you want to get into. Um, and hopefully some leaders will take notice. Leaders like, you know, we, if you have a CISO like Naomi and James, you're good. It's some of these other blockheaded <laughs> folks that are just- You shall like, remain nameless. <laughs> right. I, I mean, shall remain nameless that we have to like, you know, they're like, they have blinders on. Mm. Um, so a yeah. couple comments that are coming in here. Robert Green, companies don't want to train nowadays. They want you to have three to five years experience already, even for entry level. Yep. Seen that way too often and it sucks. James, you're on mute. I, I, I'm, I'm making the ultimate mistake, right? Like I'm talking to myself, but that's why we have so many op job openings, right? Or people don't get a callback. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, I don't want to repeat the whole job description, job requirement BS, but there is an aspect where um, there has to be some level of flexibility in the expectations a company has with how they want to develop their next set of leaders. And it's almost like, do you want to go out and get a free agent or would you rather draft someone and build them up through your program? And I'll give you a live example. I know not a lot of people here are soccer fans or football fans, but this week was a heartbreaking week for yours truly. One of my favorite all-time, one of the best soccer players of all time, Lionel Messi, Argentinian, plays for FC Barcelona, grew up in the FC Barcelona club in Spain from his teenage years. They couldn't, the guy was developed and, and, and essentially 
you know, through the youth program into the pros, seven times player of the year. I mean, just really unbelievable. Well, he left Barcelona because they couldn't agree on terms anymore. And he did a press conference as he was walking away. And if you haven't seen it, it's not a uh, I'm taking my talents to South Beach kind of press conference. The guy was in tears talking about all the memories he had being at this club for 20, 30 years, being grown into it. And that's one of the things that we're lacking in security today. We're not drafting players and grooming them in to really excel through our organizations. We're almost like trying to get free agents, but a free agent is only as good as much as you pay them. And uh, Naomi survey will guarantee that. And just and, and what she, when she releases those results, I promise you that. But if you have not seen Lionel Messi's press conference away from Barcelona and you want to see authenticity of loyalty and heartbreak when business gets in the way of fun, watch that press conference. And I think we've come to this point. I get it, James. Like, but I think in general, people are okay with just leaving. There's like no more loyalty, right? Like the whole argument is why should I be loyal to a company when they aren't going to be loyal to me? They're just going to lay me off. They're just going to be fired. I was fired, right? Just kick them out. So why should, and here's a cynical me, but why should anyone in cybersecurity or technology or anyone, why should they be invested in a company that is not as, as invested in them? Like what's in the front? Exactly. The companies need to invest in their people, treat them good. Um, provide them with training. And that's definitely something we need. I mean, back in the day before like accounting became such a big thing and it wasn't um, as popular as a college degree, what did the big banks do? They invested in internships and apprentices to build back up the practices internally. They knew it's something that they had to do and they did it. Uh, We don't see cybersecurity doing that anymore. Yeah. Katia says, Robert Green, exactly. Unfortunately, that's the situation we are in nowadays in terms of leaders and companies. And, and, you know, I used to scratch my head and get so frustrated about this. I still am, but I I think I've been beaten down over the last couple of years doing this this podcast. Um, But I see I see two I see a little bit of sides of both, you know, I see both sides to an extent, like, you know, leader and kind of like what we talked about. They get a $1 million salary. They probably only going to be there nine months. They want to bring in free agents because they don't, they don't anticipate having the time to groom, you know, some newbies, but eventually somebody all the way at the top has to take the lead and say, hey, we should develop talent regardless of who's in that CISO position. We should have, you know, these internship programs and these, you know, growth programs and these ladder programs where you bring in an analyst and you bring rotate somebody for 18 months or two years. Um, And usually that tends to come from a little bit of a higher, like a CEO or, you know, somebody else that's in the C-suite. And it really... You know, that would, I think at that level, especially in the Fortune, I think most of these Fortune 500 companies have it. But at that level, even when the CISO turns over and the people kind of like in the middle turn over, you still have this growth going on underneath. So it's a little bit of a conundrum um, for folks. So, okay, David Brin says, when you shift cybersecurity away from IT to risk management at an operational level, wouldn't that give the gatekeepers more quote conditions? 
you need a tech degree and expertise and now an MBA or director level experience. And it's entry level to that risk management landscape career. So even if you have 10 years in either combination, you're now at the ground level of a new paradigm. I like what you said before, Renee, and this is to answer the question. I think people who use the term career changer, especially on their resume, is actually doing themselves a disservice. I don't think anyone should write the word career changer. If anything, you're augmenting your current career with more security-minded tasks. Like, But you're right, Renee, like what you said before, you are a business person or you come with different experiences that we desperately need in cybersecurity. So you have to bring that knowledge and experience and that diversity of thought, that is that should be core to your message and say, I can contribute this amount of experience that you don't have other team member, and I can add to that. And so if you focus your resume or your cover letter on like not being a career changer, but like a career augmenter, right? And that way, the gatekeepers can't say, oh, you don't have 10 years of experience, but you can say, I have 10 years of experience in something else. And that's something that you don't have. So where are you, gatekeeper, on that one? You know, like, do you, can you read a financial statement? Can, do you understand structured debt? Like, can you tell me about the stuff that I know about? Probably not. So they shouldn't be judging you in the first place. And, and that's where you need to sell your value to the organization and how your, your experience brings value to the role that you're doing. And I think maybe that's some of the challenges that those, are, those augmenting their career are struggling with is how can they sell the value in relation to that role? Yeah, that's a good point, Chris. I think that when you're outside of it, you don't know. Because, I, you know, me, I always use myself somewhat as an example, coming from HR, going into security. Like, I had no, I knew a little bit because of the recruiting piece, but really getting in there and seeing, like, why, you know, why did they want me over here? Like, it was almost a little bit of a, um, um, what's the word we always use? When you not conundrum, why did why did they pick me? You know, when people are like, why did they pick me? We talk about this all the time. I Imposter syndrome. Imposter yeah. syndrome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, okay, what am I doing? You know, like they want me to lead this thing, really? <laughs> like, but they saw, you know, they were like, bye, Chris. Bye, Chris. Like, bye, Chris. Those bye, folks saw the the experience and the other projects that I had worked on within the company and saw this skill set that they didn't have in their team. So as much as technical as those other people were, I was bringing in a different, you know, get the projects done. Boom, 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 boom. Okay, we have this list of projects and they're running because all these tech people are doing tech stuff and we still have to run a business. And we still, as Naomi said, we still have a business. We still have projects to get done. And that's why I think, Naomi James and I and a few others tend to be we get so frustrated because there's so much work to do in these departments. It's not all no company is all one thing. Financial services services companies is not all finance. They don't have all accounting and finance majors. You know, same thing in the cybersecurity space. It's not all that. It's a combination of people with different skill sets. So it gets really frustrating for us because there's tons of work. And that my leader at the time was like, here, like I came in, he was like, take this, you know, it's tons of work that you probably both can pass off to somebody who is a brand newbie. And I know, Naomi, you had an intern and you have junior people and that's what you do all the time. And as they're doing this other stuff, some could be administrative, some could be you're learning because you're absorbing, you're being a sponge. They're like sponges and they don't have bad habits. You teach them the way to go and they're cheap. Like, I, there's a win-win-win. Like, come on. It's, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
The only um, thing I could think of, like I said, is that people are like, okay, I got seven to nine months in this spot. <laughs> and that's it from a leadership perspective. But that's uh, it. You touch on a good point, though. A lot of cyber people, in my experience, really play alone in their sandbox. Like, they only play by themselves. So they, they work in silos. So they don't see the bigger picture. Like, I literally know people in cybersecurity who don't know how their business makes money. Right. And you just be like, well, what is how how does your business operate? Oh, I have no idea. Like they're only concerned about winning in their own kind of silo and making sure they don't get hacked and everything. But they don't get the bigger picture. So they don't play well with others. They don't understand the business. They don't get buy in and trust and relationships built across the business. And that hurts them. And so what do we need? We need more people with emotional intelligence, empathy, people with other experiences, diversity of thought. I mean, I can just talk about this all day, but it's still true. We need more people. We need different types of people. Whatever color skin they are, whatever background they are, just get different people and start training them and and assume their good intent. They're going to stay in your company if you train, mentor them, give them opportunities, grow. They will stay at your company. And another thing that I want to add to Naomi, and maybe you can do a survey on this, but I know surveys have been done. But from my anecdotal experience talking to probably thousands of security professionals at this point, as well as looking at some surveys, people don't leave for money most of the time. They leave because they're not being developed. They're not learning anything new, specifically in security. You want to stay cutting edge. You want to stay on top of the trends and what's happening. And almost every single time, it's like, I want to develop something new. I want to you know, grow this skill. So either they're not doing it on in the role or, you know, they want to go to the conferences and the company doesn't, you know, the budget isn't there or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so then they're like, Hey, let me go find somewhere where I'll be valued. And there, so there, I, th- I think there's, there's, you, you have to kind of put a clear distinction between hiring, giving a chance to some of the other stuff that comes along with it. So for example, you know, bringing up conferences, some conferences are better than others. Not all conferences are created equal. Um, There's some that I call them, uh, go do do your swag rounds and come back, right? Because those are your stocking stuffers for your kid's Christmas presents. Uh, They're, they're, you know, the the tooth fairy, the hair fairy, whatever (laughs) fairy you invent within your own you know, uh, uh, a family to kind of run, run the thing. And then there's other stuff that, that I think is far more important when it comes to development. I've seen so many people get um, swayed by the superficial and that superficial never pays off in the long run for your career development. So you want to be with a good leader, right? You're in, as the company's interviewing them and wondering, um, what is it that I can, uh, what is it that you're going to bring to my level of skills, to my knowledge base so that I can really, you know, grow and develop as a professional, uh, working with your company. And that's, that's not always the case. I mean, that doesn't happen all the time, unfortunately. And a lot of times people get taken back by, oh yeah, you get a budget to go to RSA or black hat and you get to go do your swag rounds. Well, I can do that at any event that comes into my city. Right. Like I, they, they all have the same swag. There's not no special swag at RSA or Black Hat that you're not going to get at any local event. It's if you're going to Black Hat, what sessions are you attending that are going to advance your knowledge, your career? Right. Well, and, and and so excuse me, really that's learn big- how to qualify and ask. Yeah, I mean, and that that's typically what it was from my experience talking to people. It's been that. It's not like, hey, I want to go hang out at the conference. Not that not that it's not fun, 
but it's around the development. It's around the skill development um, when they're asking for that. So, all right, more comments here. Can I get Naomi and James together on one team? He's my board member. He's a board member for Cybersecurity Gatebreakers. So yeah, thank you, James. Yeah, yeah we're we're we're, getting, we're, we're that's, that's, that's not an IPO, but that's a game changer. Yes. Yeah. Join us. Yay. Well, Paul Cummings is being ultra awesome today. He's joining us from YouTube because we're trying to continue to grow our YouTube channel. So thank you, Paul, for doing that. Companies are also lazy. Department of Labor offers up to $300 per employee for upskill. If you want to fill mid-senior level roles, this is perfect to use to teach someone your company's product and solution. 300 is not that much. I don't know. That's nothing. <laughs> yeah. That's like but it's three- something. It's yeah, something. that's if true. It, if it costs you a thousand dollars to train someone, and you're getting three hundred from the Department of Labor, that's uh, that's three hundred dollars less that you're spending as a company. Mm-hmm. Like you know, we're, I, I think we're often um, blinded because we think what's three hundred dollars, but three hundred dollars if you've got a hundred people on your team is a lot of money. Yeah, good. Point. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you can pay for an in-person instructor to come in from wherever. Yeah, right, I could see that. I love this idea of a draft. What if, all right, I'm going to riff. So what if we had a draft (laughs) of companies who like promise to hire the people in the draft, but then like the draft people get trained and mentored in it. I know there's, there's things here, but we have companies who promise to hire these people and then they trade them kind of like at the end of every couple of cycles or whatever and be like, okay, next person. Right. Like I could see that. That'd be really cool. I think that would be cool if, if the CISOs and, and the companies look at this as an opportunity to really get a diversity of thought. So you're talking about very open-minded individuals. Mm-hmm. Like you and I, Naomi, we'd totally be down for it. Be like, draft, all right, who gets the first round pick? How do we decide? Oh, I would be down for that, man. I would fight like, you for that first round, yeah. I would say we do a flag football game, just saying, <laughs> right? Like we pick a place in the country and we go flag football, um, and and yeah. we do the draft. Yeah. Nick Barker said he would sign up in a heartbeat. Awesome. Katia says, I'm not happy about the situation with recruiting, but as Renee mentioned, I understand both sides. I came from the hotel field, but the thing is, if hotels have the same approach, we would not have anyone to provide services in hotels. Even though there are requirements, but hotels are flexible to consider candidates without experience, even such luxury brands as the Ritz-Carlton, because we want to train people properly according to the standards. I wish companies were more flexible. Yeah, it's, Katia, I mean... It, it cracks me up when people act like all of cybersecurity is just so such brain surgery that no one can learn it. It's not so, brain surgery. It is not. All of it is not brain surgery. It was harder back in the day, but we've evolved again. We've evolved to a point where it should be easier. If we're not making it easier for ourselves, we're doing it wrong. Like think about how doctors had it back in the day. They didn't even have plastic and they still kept people alive. Well, they had to cut off a lot of arms and legs, but like, they, you know, in general, <laughs> people lived. But now it's, I would say technology has evolved to help people in the physician and medical fields to do their jobs a lot easier. Think about all the ways that doctors can just jump in. Well, they Google also, right? Like think about all the ways that they can help people just by like other standing on the shoulders of giants, understanding where they are in the history, right? Like they've, they pulled out information from the past. It's the same way in cybersecurity. We are standing on the shoulders of giants, protocols, white papers, research, uh, like uh, frameworks, everything else has been built. We're just building on top of it now. Let people in. Let people in. It's just simple. Uh, 
I wish it was as simple as said. Merle says imposter syndrome. Yes, thank you, Merle. When, when I was trying to figure out which word, which word that was. Um, let's see, Zoe, I, and I can't remember for which comment this was a part, this was a, a response to, play the Uno reverse card with your experience. I think when we were talking about like career transition to career, career you know. Um, ah, gotcha, got it, okay. All right, cool, so. I think that's all our comments for this topic right now. No, we're up to 174 responses already. That's been, what did I say when we started? 126? Yeah, so almost more 50. people responded. I know some uh, someone else said they did it. I'll do, I'll uh, share. Oh, that's it. awesome. Yeah, thank you, everyone. That's so cool. Um, I feel like uh, raising wow. money on a telethon right now. I'd be like, we're up to 174. <laughs> right, we need a number to flash. <laughs> we, need, no. we need to match this. <laughs> So, folks, I put Naomi's link in here, but it doesn't. It's it doesn't not work. Showing. Yeah, it's weird. It doesn't hyperlink. So, oh. I'm going to share it on my profile right afterwards. Make sure that you go and do the survey, mm. do the um, the, the salary survey. So, Naomi, what are you? What are you? I didn't get to read it, but what are you going to yeah. be using it for? So in terms of breaking down the gates, it's really a lot easier to understand what an entry-level person makes in this industry and have those realistic expectations for both the hiring managers and the people trying to break in. Because once we know what's expected in our industry, it's a lot easier to start convincing people, hey, this is what normal is. This is how other people do. But the thing is, with the data for entry for pure entry-level positions in cybersecurity, super hard to break down because there's not a lot of people who are pure entry level people? Like it's it's just take a look at just take a look at the job descriptions. They're not really entry level people. The entry level jobs is not really entry level. No, yeah. but I think I think one of the challenges that's going on right now, and I think something that I've been hearing a lot and seeing a lot in, in, in different conversations, is how companies are making job offers because of the remote situation. So if I'm a um, a San Francisco based company and I want to hire someone to do a job, and they're based out of uh, Indianapolis. I'm trying to pay them what that job makes in Indianapolis rather than what that job I would pay someone for doing that same exact job in California. And what that's creating right now is something that we didn't really experience before, right? Which was, you know, when everything was on-prem, because now we're all cloud employees, right? So if we when we were all on-prem in an office in one geographical location the salary ranges were all fairly within one within a range if you lived in the denver metro area there was a range um, for specific roles but now wherever i'm based out of i can go and look and hire someone maybe from tuscaloosa alabama where if i pay someone 120 grand that's a lot of money for a role that maybe in california i'd pay two hundred thousand for and well, yeah. that creates a huge salary uh, uh, difference. And, and candidates are seeing that. So they're getting companies that are offering them the same role. And company one is offering them 120. And the other company is offering them 180. Well, that's a no-brainer, right? Like that's a, that's a real no-brainer. But they could have really liked the company of 120. But they're really short-sighted because they're not looking at the average salary for that role. They're looking at the geographical location average salary of that role. And I, I think that creates an issue. I think the larger companies kind of have that. So companies that have had locations in different, have had uh, multiple locations prior to COVID and it wasn't all remote, were pretty um, 
used to having different salary bands for different different areas of the country. So you just can't pay someone in San Fran. They're not going to be able to live on a salary that you would pay someone in anywhere else. <laughs> anywhere no, else. I mean, even like, but but here's the thing though. So so there's there's a difference with that, and I think that's going to go to the survey that Naomi's going to do, and I think we're going to see that. She's going to see that range not be maybe the standard $20,000 range, but I think it's going to be much, much higher. Yeah, I'd be curious to see because cost of living, like, you know, for all the, for the, 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 um, you know, the experiences that I've had, again, I'm one individual. Um, there's always, there's been various ranges, right? So if the, the, if the person is based in wherever they're based, the salary, depending on, and again, I work with a lot of larger companies, so I can imagine with smaller companies that it's a little bit different, um, that their ranges and their ranges are based in those spaces. So, you know, there's a target range for, you know, Miami, Florida metro area versus or east coast or whatever versus midwest versus you know certain cities which are you know higher cost of living there's a whole high there's a cost of living um chart and website and it's you know it's provided by the government and then the companies kind of take that information from there to say okay well these are the cost of living um, um targets and then target the ranges based on that so I would be I'd be very, very curious to see. And I know there are some people that are in certain areas that are kind of like getting that that pop right now because they're in a lower cost of living area, making a certain, you know, a, a bigger amount of money now. Um, so I, I'd really be interested in seeing Naomi's data and how it's evolved. You know what I'll do? I'll open up the spreadsheet right now for all the answers and I'll just uh, paste it into our internal chat. <laughs> Uh, and then you can post it anywhere you want. I can't post on the link right now, but or the, the LinkedIn. But uh, yeah, it's not hidden information. It's all anonymous, so I'm not sharing like PII or anything. But yeah, uh, no, it'd be great. And Naomi, I hope you're also working with because it, it would be interesting to hear what um, leaders say they're paying their people mm-hmm. and what people are saying they're getting paid. I mean, you can't like match the two. But people could inflate, you know, like there's all kinds of question marks I would have True. around <laughs> some of this data. So. Try, try not to lie on this. Like there's no benefit of you lying. Like no one knows if you're lying, right? So, or no one knows how much you are saying that you're making, whatever. Just <laughs> So Naomi, you want me to open it and do a screen share? You, yeah, if you want to, or you can just put it in the chat on the um, the stream. Like that. that's totally cool. Or I'm going to put it, I'm just going to put it on my profile. Here you go. All the answers. I didn't expect all. Yeah, I didn't expect all these responses so soon. This is so cool. Yeah, put put it on the. Um, it'd be great to see the information. Well, I just tried to open it. It'd be great to see the information based on role, geographical location, and the range. Geographical. But I think that's that's really the big the big two things for for me now. Just because of the banter I've been listening to over the last week or so, or two weeks of people talking about this. Um, you know, it was uh, funny. I don't know if you guys know who Tim Poole is, the podcaster on YouTube. Um, I heard that name. So, so Tim Poole's a journalist. So he he put out a video um, earlier this week where a supermarket had a five hundred dollars sign on bonus for people to come work at the grocery store. Yeah, five hundred dollars signing bonus to just yeah. take the job because people are not going back to work. Well, I think there's also that I, I think we've that's one issue. 
and and I'll agree to that to some to some level, right? There's also another one, Renee, and that other one is the disparity in in in, in income. So, and what I mean by that is, like I said, I see someone who lives in New York make X for the same amount of job, and I live in Virginia and I make Y, right? And so you're like, why does he make more money than I do? And a lot of people have stopped looking at the cost of living as being a factor because we, you know, there's there's an aspect of you're working from home now, right? And some companies feel like they should cut your pay because really you're working from home, um, but you're working just as hard and your skills are still the same. So so there's there's no there's there's no disparity there. So I see I saw an article recently and I can't remember specifically who said it, but there was, I guess there was a big kind of blow up about a financial, I think it was a relatively large financial services company where their people had moved out of New York city and were working remotely in these various locations. And they were like, Hey, we'll pay you. If it was 150,000, they used to pay them. Let's, you know, pick general numbers. Like we'll pay you 150 if you're back in New York because, you know, cost of living to live, to rent an apartment, own a house, whatever in New York to live, buy groceries, that kind of stuff in New York is this. But if you're in these locations, we're going to pay you the, the equivalent cost of living in those particular locations, not necessarily because you're home per se, but because the cost of living overall is lower. So I just be, I'm, you know, I'm really, really interested. This is like right in my wheelhouse, this HR kind of like cost of living, salaries, all that stuff is very, very fascinating and interesting. And I see like the companies, like what they're doing and, and it, it makes, I see how an employee is like, well, hey, I was in New York doing the same work. Why are you trying to cut my pay by X? But if you were in New York, you would have to, your, your, your <laughs> everything you did would be 30% higher. So it's kind of like a quote unquote equivalent, supposedly. So interesting stuff. You know what I want to do? You know what I'd like to do? You know what I'd like to do? Here's, here's an idea. Let's all go pick a small run downtown somewhere in America that has some infrastructure. And let's all decide we're all going to move there and revitalize that town with cybersecurity talent and make it Cybertown USA. Let's There's a company that's doing that. It's um, it's a, it's like an outsourcer, but in America, like, oh, damn, damn the name of it. But they, they're in like a rural area and they're training up former um, like miners and stuff. Not miners, some kind of else I kind of labor. Yeah, what is it? No, no, but I'm I'm going beyond that. I'm not going about training the local population. Oh, I'm going about building a brand new community. Like we adapt, but the local population ends up being kind of the um, support community. Like Silicon Valley, but for cyber. Right? Cyber Silicon Valley. So so we had an idea um, a while ago to do this in Colorado. Like um, I was in Denver and we were hanging out pre-COVID and we're like, let's buy like 400 acres out in the mountains of Colorado and build just a huge data center, right? And... Um, have a place where people can come in and work, but also like have a just a cyber community. And anyone who wants to break in can come and move into the community and get the skills they need because we're going to have all of that there. But really revitalize. I am. I love this country so much, right? And when I drive around, like whenever I drive somewhere, I never take the highway. I always like to take side roads and I stop in local diners. And I've talked about this before, right? So stop at one of those towns that seems like so... Like it's been decimated because manufacturing's gone or whatever they used to do is gone and say, hey, 
you guys are all good. You guys got diners and gas stations and you've got a good service industry. We're going to bring industry here as long as we can get the infrastructure. And I think there's a few governors that will really open this up. And if anyone's down for that, I mean, I'd love to get some feedback on that idea because I think there's, you know, we're only as strong as the community around us. And one of the things that COVID's done, it's kind of spread people across all kinds of rural areas. People have moved out of the city, you know, uh, de-urbanization is going on, mm-hmm. right? It used to be that 20 years ago, everyone was like, we got to move to an urban area. Now everyone's like, I'm done with this crap, right? People are like buying 20, 30 acre lands out in the middle of nowhere, as long as they can get internet. Um, why not do that? But Cybertown USA That's and genius. go to like a Black Hills and go to a bunch of different organizations that are really training the next workforce and say, help us out. Here's what we want to do. Will you support this effort and train the next generation? Only if you'll be our mayor, James. <laughs> Only if what? Only if he'll be our mayor or governor. I mean, I'm pretty sure I can take over West Virginia. <laughs> It's a beautiful state. Yeah, I'm there. I I love that entire Appalachia. It's a beautiful state, but uh, try to get good internet. I don't know if that exists. (laughs) Valerie says, Cybertown, USA. I like the sound of that. I mean, if you're just thinking about, I don't think we have to be all co-located, but the idea, we still are a community. We just need to support each other better. That is where we are lacking. We are not playing on the same team. Yeah, but imagine imagine if you did have something like this where you can take someone who's underrepresented and under um, underfunded who can't afford to go to college, who can't afford to go to a boot camp, who can come to a city like this mm. and through studying he can pay back into the community through, you know, mm. maybe working in some sort of civil service. Yeah. Right in order to fund his way to get him or her way to get into security. And then once they're ready, they get the job and now they're paying back into the community and it becomes a pay it kind of forward. I'm not talking about a commune per se, but I'm talking about a place where people just want a chance. And we're almost all of us sit here sometimes and we're all thinking about, well, if just CISOs would open the doors, well, screw that. I don't want to wait for CISOs to, to, to get on the right bandwagon or companies to get on the bandwagon. We'll just go out there and do it. And as influencers in our companies, Right, as CISOs and influencers and decision makers, we can just say, hey, I'm going to move to Cybertown USA, like Valerie says, right? And we're going to be in Cybertown USA. And anyone who wants a chance to work for our organization can come and be in Cybertown USA. We're going to build an entire ecosystem around it. And the cost to do that is really, really low, especially if you can get the local government and the state government to buy into it. So the state government can go to, you know, Comcast and Xfinity or AT&T or Verizon and say, We'll, we'll subsidize you putting high-speed internet here because this is going to be a model people will want to replicate. There's an appetite for this now. There absolutely is, and we can do it. I'm seeing claps. I'm seeing let's do it in Hawaii. I'm seeing yeah, so- I, I, I can see people just starting to pick the most exotic place to do it, right? <laughs> let's do it in Hawaii. Let's do it in Santa Monica. Everyone's leaving California. (laughs) Yeah. No, James, I love, love, love that. I love that idea. I think so many more people um, from so many different levels of 
socioeconomic backgrounds, just so many different types of folks should be in the space. Um, There's so many good people out there. Annabelle says, I'm in. What'd you say, Naomi? Oh, there's just so many good people out there. I, like everyone has such potential. I just see such wasted. Oh, it's like mind. a tragic, it's so tragic. And like, oh my God, I've just spoken to so many incredible people. Like literally there are so many more incredible people waiting to break in than there are yeah. incredible people in cybersecurity. Like we're at this point where like, like, how are you in cybersecurity? Like I literally have someone email me their private key. Come on guys. Like what yeah. are you doing? Right. No, it is. It's so true. It is. It's so um, we're going to make it happen. I know this team right here. We don't stop. Antarctica is the place to be. Probably will be the coolest place. How did Ben know? That is literally my bucket list. It's the seventh continent I haven't been to on my map. I need to get to Antarctica. Let's do it there. Antarctica. (laughs) So free. We go. Antarctica. Cybertown Antarctica. Think about it. You know, cooling down the servers would be like so cheap. Yeah, you're right. We can mine Bitcoin there. No problem. Indeed. No problem. No problem. So, yeah, people want in. I think this is a great opportunity for folks. I just love what both of you, what we all are doing, but really what both of you are doing, Naomi, with your foundation and um, James, with all the work that you've been doing and helping folks and being in um being on Clubhouse and working, you know, that's where it seems like everyone's pouring their hearts out. So I need to get over there too. Can I say I'm going through some of this data? I'm getting angry looking at some of this answers. Like someone's getting paid $13 an hour to do information security uh, be, as an information security analyst with two to five years of experience living in Arizona and Phoenix, like a metro area. That's that true. is exploitation. He says he or she new to the role not oh 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 no no, that's what they started okay still 73 okay sorry seven i misread that i'm like getting angry i'm like how dare you get 13 all right so never mind that was their first even even their full-time role 13 dollars an hour come on all right so some of these numbers 40 grand i'm seeing some of the lower ones 24 grand uh for these entry-level roles not not acceptable guys like literally 50 grand should be no matter where you are yeah i mean again but 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 here's the thing you're now see naomi now you're triggered right so i already smelled a trigger post coming later today (laughs) i'll wait till tomorrow i already posted today i do one a day blow up linkedin (laughs) you're about to blow up linkedin and i see it on your face like i see it in her eyes she's like oh (laughs) how dare you exploit my workers you mother effers (laughs) (laughs) but I think that's the disparity. And I think, Naomi, your trigger post should be with the data clearly because an average range is 20 grand, right? An average range for a role, an acceptable range. Renee, correct me if I'm wrong here because you're the expert at this. It's about $20,000. Where you yeah. are, right? You can be in California, it pays 140, but you can be in Denver, it pays 120. Or you can be in Phoenix and it pays 120, whatever, right? Kind of like, like one one to the other. But, but here it comes. Now in COVID, that range is way greater, mm-hmm. way greater. I guarantee you, it's going to be double, if not triple, that. 
I guarantee you because corporations are greedy. And when an HR person can seem like a hero and say, look, we hired a bunch of people for 40 grand below market value, because guess what? They live in Ohio or Indiana or Kansas or Missouri or in some small town where 120 grand is a life changer when they could be earning 200 anywhere else, right? And they've got the same exact skills. There's no reason to pay them less because it's not about cost of living anymore. We can throw cost of living out the door because we live in a global marketplace for talent. Well, yeah, then, the, then the same people no, in India no, and everything else, they're being exactly. exploited too. You can't throw cost of living out the door. Can't. Yeah, I, <laughs> that, that is a so huge because, discussion, yeah. Yeah, because then we would have did I just trigger? Did I just trigger a really fun episode for next week? <laughs> I think you did. <laughs> yeah, is should cost of living in this global workplace now, like should even if you're living in India, are you getting paid 10% of what someone else is making in America or some other rich country? Like, is that fair? I don't know. So, so Let's talk about it next week. But I'll tell you why India is different from the U.S. Currency manipulation. The value of currency is very, very different between India and the U.S. And the cost of goods is very different between India and the U.S. So the cost of goods doesn't isn't necessarily matching up because of the difference in the value of the currency. Yeah, but what's the value of their work? Does it matter where they exist in the world? But right? Like, what is value? Best- but, but it's an adjustable thing. So I'll give you an example. Israel has some of the smartest uh, developers and engineers on the planet, right? More mm-hmm. or less. But, you know, like I can tell you that some of the smartest developers and engineers that have been on some of the most groundbreaking products probably never earned more than $15,000 a month. All benefits included, and they were paying a 40% tax rate. Not fair. But it's an adjusted income to lifestyle in Israel based on the currency of the dollar and shekel. Right. Let's save it for next week. Yeah, I I agree. Let's bring some data. Yeah. And maybe I'll do a poll on that too. I'll just be like, are you, yeah, what's your Are you paying for cost of living? Because like, it's true. There's certain salaries you cannot, I cannot pay somebody in San Fran. That means nobody in San Francisco would work ever again. Like, well, then I would just move to California if I wanted more money, right? Like, yeah, but then you live in a box. That's and- how it was pre-COVID. <laughs> but, but here's the thing, though, Look Naomi. But get that's the more money, but your your cost of living will be worse. Oh yeah, God. you're living in an RV, but that's beyond the point. That was how it was pre-COVID, but now post-COVID, there is in the U.S. kind of the concept of it's no longer about where I live. It's about my skills, and my skills have yes. an X amount of value. Yes. How do we measure value? Yeah. All right, folks. Good right. discussion. A lot of Bye. triggers. See everybody next week. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Thanks, squad. Free Hong Kong. <laughs> Hashtag. <laughs> In the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity, your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business with a decade and a half of specialized experience. We're not just advisors, we're your strategic partners in growth and risk mitigation. Our tailored advisory services range from immediate hourly guidance to comprehensive three or six month packages, all supported with encrypted messaging for real-time assistance. For more information, cpfcoaching.com is your destination. Forge a path to success and distinction in the cybersecurity landscape. Connect with CPF Coaching LLC today and secure your business's future.